So we've got to discover how to win within. I believe this story here in John chapter 4 shows us this so, so clearly. And in John chapter 4, verse 1, it said, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave. To his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. Did you know Jesus got tired? It says that he got tired. He got weary from his journey. Sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Today I want to talk about running on empty. Running on empty. Running on empty. That's a dangerous way to live with the the needle peddling the E down there at the very bottom. That's a scary place to be. One of my vehicles has a little gauge on it that will tell me how many miles to empty. You know me as a man, i got to run it all the way down until it's blinking at me before I stop and get gas, right? Any guys can attest with me? We don't get it gas at halfway. Three quarter, we got a quarter of the tank. What's the problem? We are fine. One mile to empty. We are okay. I know there's nothing around us, but we will make. I've never run out of gas, right? Never have, never will. Got to wait for that thing to blink at me. My truck does not. My truck has a little light uh, that just pops on that says, you're almost done. You're about to be on the side of the road, buddy. And as soon as that thing comes on, I've trained myself to get in there. And I know I've run it pretty close. It's it's past the E, right? It's pegging. It's like it's trying to come up, but it's slamming. this. got fumes coming out the back. Ah, we'll get some gas. Running on empty, that's a dangerous place to live. And and so many believers live on that brink. We got enough to run. So on the outside, like we, we were running. I mean, on the outside of my vehicle, you have no idea that I'm got that, I've got a drop in the tank. You don't know that. I'm running. I'm going down the highway just like anybody else. I can go 75 just like anybody else. I can, I can steer. I can do all the stuff just like anybody else, but I'm on the brink. And so many believers live on the brink of emptiness. On top of that, I see so many believers try to pour into others what they don't have for themselves. I've seen believers on empty trying to disciple somebody else. Now, I know that we're called to give and I know that we're called to pour. And and I know that even when you don't have it, you need to give it. But but a lot of times believers are here in this position because they've never given attention to themselves. Over in Acts chapter 20, uh, uh, Paul is talking to the leaders of Ephesus and he says this. He says, give attention, take heed to yourselves. And to the flock. So many pastors, so many leaders that I come into, they get up here to do this every week on the brink of emptiness. And ultimately what they end up in is is crunch mode on Friday or Saturday trying to get something only to give it away. They're, they're, They're cramming. It's like they're cramming for a final exam. 
That's the way I lived in, in, in high school. I crammed. I was the procrastinator of procrastinators. I would, wait, I would wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to study for a test that day because I could not, I could, I could just, mm. I know I got this test coming up. Oh, I, can, I can save it. I can do it. So even the information that I happened to retain was only in there for the moment just to pass the test, and I didn't have it again. <laughs> Couldn't give me the test twice. I was the one sitting at my seat saying, hurry up, give me the test, give me the test. It's only in here for a short while. My memory bank is emptying as you are talking about how you're going to give the test. Remember to write your name at the top. Remember that there's an extra bonus. I don't care. Just give me the test, please, before it leaks out of my ears. I will forget. There's three questions I want to ask today. Number one, what are you drawing? What are you drawing? What are you drawing? Number two, I want to ask, where are you drawing from? Where are you drawing from? What's the source? And the third question that I want to ask, and hopefully we'll get these answered today in Jesus' name, what are you drawing with? What are we drawing? Where are we drawing it from? And what are we drawing it with Jesus ends up in this town, Samaria, he ends up in a, a, a town that verse 4 tells us he needed to go through Samaria. And he came to this city. And in verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. This woman's coming to draw for herself. And Jesus is saying, I want you to draw from me. Draw from me. In verse 9, the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you? How is it that you? One of the issues that I think that we have when we are running on empty is we have a problem recognizing the sources that God wants to use to fill us up. We have an issue recognizing the sources. This is a woman, as we'll go through, you'll find out that this woman is, uh, has been married five times, divorced five times, and she's currently with a sixth man that she's not even married to. Jesus ends up pointing this out later on. She has become a master of drawing. She's become a master of drawing, but... The problem is, is she doesn't know what she's drawing. She doesn't know what she's trying to get. She doesn't know what she needs to draw with. What does, how is she going to get it? And where am I drawing it from? She has a struggle identifying the proper source. And the issue, the common denominator in all of them is her. She's the common denominator. She takes herself into every marriage that she has. She takes herself into every relationship that she has because she's losing within. And this is the problem. Uh, uh, you will never win within until you fix where you're running dry. You'll never win within until you fix where you're running dry. And we got people that are running dry uh, in, in all kinds of scenarios of life. We're running dry in our marriages. 
We're running dry in our finances. We're running dry uh, in our homes with our families. There's, there's a dryness. You know what I mean by a dryness? It means that it, it, no, no matter how much you put in, it just seems to empty out. There's a hole in the bottom. And so, sure, you're going to show up to draw. And she's literally showing up to a well to draw with a bucket to pull out water that she will eventually have to come back to the well Again, and Jesus is about to show her that there's a different source because here's yet another man. And this man is a Jew. So a male Jew talking to a female Samaritan, this doesn't happen. And what this is called, this is simply called prejudice. I know the Bible isn't relevant to our day to day, but I just try to get you to picture a a nation or a time that we live in where there's prejudice that actually exists. And I heard someone explain this the other day and it just opened my eyes. I never saw it before that. You know what prejudice is? Prejudice. It's in the word. It means to prejudge. It means to come to a conclusion or a finalization of something or someone before you even have an experience with them. That's prejudging. That's what prejudice is. And in this instance, believe it or not, Jesus is the one shown prejudice. Jesus is the one that has someone has come to a conclusion about him, judged him before even he has an opportunity to open his mouth, before he even has an opportunity to say anything. You are a male and you are a Jew. What in the world are you doing asking me for anything? She says there in in verse nine, how is it that you being a Jew? Ask a drink from me. And she says it, a Samaritan woman. She puts herself on the opposite end. She has drawn a line in the sand that says, I cannot have what you have to give. And I can't, you cannot receive from me. We cannot be having relations right now. We cannot be talking. And many times we miss this because what happens is, is we put God in a box. We have prejudice against God. We prejudge how God can move in our lives. We prejudge who he can use. We prejudge how he can do it. We prejudge what assignment he'll give us to do it through. And and, and what happens is, is prejudice always takes you back to a preference. And we end up worshiping our preference over our God. I'm telling you, preference is, is probably one of the most damaging things. There's a word that we have adopted and adapted in the church. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers. There is a word that we have led in our churches. And it sounds spiritual and it sounds churchy enough that it doesn't make anybody think about it twice. It doesn't make anybody have any, uh, 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 you know, fear of it or, or even some resistance to it because we've used it so much. We've grown up around this term for so long. That we just accept it as, oh, yeah, everyone's got one of those. It's called denomination. Let me tell you what that word really means. Preference. What denomination is your church? No, what they're really asking is, is what preference is your church and is it the preference that I have? That's what they're asking. Do they, do they sing the songs that I sing? Is the music as loud as 
as I like it or is it as quiet as I like it? Do they do they have all the stuff? That, how's their children's ministry? How's their small groups? Do you have small groups? How's how, what, what time do you do your services? How many services do you have? What do you preach? What do you not preach? That's really what they're asking. What is your what is your church preach? What they're really asking is what do they not preach? We should just go back to calling it what it is church preference. Because that's really what it is. We all have, it's amazing that God would allow us to come up with so many preferences for one book. One book. The same book. They don't have a different Bible than us. They have a different lens. They have a different way of seeing it. Well, I, I see it this way. And we've even gotten to a point where we value this preference. Well, I, I think God, I think God's trying to say both. That's impossible. He cannot. God is as black and white as they come. I mean, he either wants healing for his people or he doesn't. And it wouldn't be any other greater distraction or disaster of the enemy than to put us in disarray and put us in chaos where 10 people can all believe differently on the same book. Based on our preference. This preference thing has crept into the church so much that, that we have literally built the church around accommodating preferences. It's amazing in today's world how much we cannot be inconvenienced anymore. It's amazing, the interruptions. And, 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 and what this passage is trying to show us is that Jesus is trying to minister in an interruption. He has no interest in ministering to this woman. It's very clear what his interest is. I've been traveling all day. I'm thirsty. You've got a bucket. I need something to drink. Help a brother out. I mean, on the external, on the outside, he's not saying, how can I minister today? What can I do? Now, we know that that was his mindset. We know that he told his father that I will only go where you tell me to go. And I will only say what you tell. He was that in tune with his with his spirit. But most of us don't live that way. Most of us only think about ministry when it's actually a ministry opportunity. There couldn't possibly be an opportunity in the midst of an interruption. God could not possibly want me to talk to this lady at Publix. I am busy. I am, I am trying. I'm in a hurry. I've got places to be. I've got kids waiting in the car. There's no way that God could actually expect me to pay for that person's uh, 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 groceries right now. There's, I just don't have to. But, if, but one day, one day I'm going to come to Publix. I'm going to say, I'm just going to look for someone. to. One day. I'm, no, no, no. God wants to use you even when it's an interruption. Even when you have no intention. He still wants to use you. He still wants to speak to you. But we go in with pre-judging conclusions, prejudiced conclusions about how God can use. And God's trying to use the person that is in your house, and you could not even imagine how God could actually use your wife to speak into you. How God could use your boss to set you up. Because we've come with prejudice. We've come with preferences. And we've come with our ideas and ultimately our boxes. And our boxes never liberate God. They never do. There's not one box you can draw that God says, good, I can move. 
It's when we tear off the boxes. It's when we get rid of the lines. It's when we, 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 we say Jew, Samaritan, uh, whether bond nor free, whether Jew nor Greek, whether slave, I, it doesn't matter to me. There's no such thing as prejudice in the kingdom of God. And I will not come. I, God will use whatever scenario he can. God will use whatever person he can. God will use whatever uh, 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 opportunity he can. God will use any job. God will use any relationship. God will use any marriage. God will use any opportunity in your life to minister to you when we quit when we quit coming saying how is it that you when we quit saying how is it that you because what's happening is is she's already drawn in her mind what she can get or what she can't get She's missing the moment right in front of her. How many moments are right in front of us? How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She's drawn her lines. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew. That's the answer right there. If you knew. If you knew the gift of God and who it is. Who says to you, give me a drink. Father, I pray that you open our eyes so that we can see who it is that you've placed right in front of us. We have drawn the lines. We've blinded ourselves. We've cut ourselves off. There's no way God could use them. There's no way. There's got to be a different job. There's no way God could possibly use this one. It's got to be a different relationship. There's no way God could salvage this. There's got to be a different way. And God is saying, it's right in front of you. If you only knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. He's, he's flipping the script. He's reversing the roles. Not only would you be giving me a drink, but you would have been asking me for a drink. Wow. Wow. If you only knew. And he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. And when we're losing within, this is what we do is we just find problems. Well, I ain't got nothing to draw. What, what, how am I even going to get it? God, I mean, if you place it right in front, how am I going to get it? I mean, what are you going to do? And the well's too deep. I mean, it's, it's way down there. This is what we do. What we do? I can't get nothing out of that marriage. I, I can't get nothing out of that husband. He's just, he's just write him off, send him on. Got to be something else. I have nothing to draw with. The well's too deep. We just pick it. We're just picking it apart. Every problem we can find. And and she's putting this problem on Jesus. Because he's, he's offering her something that she can't get anywhere else. We're getting, he, he knows how to get inside, amen? Jesus knows how to get, he's not talking about real water. He's not talking about a real well. He's not talking about real buckets. Because if, if she knew God's intention, if she knew Jesus' heart in this moment, his heart is for the city that she just walked out of. And really what he's saying is, you're my bucket. 
You're right. The well is deep. Jews and Samaritans haven't ever had relations. But I'm about to send my disciples. And when I send them out, I'm going to send them out into Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus knows that town that is writing me off, that town that has already built a prejudice, that town that has already drawn a line in the sand, I'm going to get it. And he knows that in Acts chapter 8, a man by the name of Philip is going to go into Samaria and win the whole town to the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying, all I need is someone that's willing to be a bucket. See, sometimes we're looking for the bucket and God's saying, you are the bucket. You're the bucket. I'm trying to use you to win someone else. I'm trying to get something into you because you can't give away what you don't have. You keep running dry. You keep running back, running on empty, running back to other people trying to fill up what only God can do. And then he goes on to say, uh, he, he says here, uh, let's finish out in verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then, where then do you get that living water? So what are you drawing with and where are you getting it? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. She's thirsty. Not just for water, but she's thirsting after validation. She's thirsting after someone to love her. She's thirsting after to, to get something in her that they cannot give. And this is what happens is when we're losing within, we begin placing hopes and expectation on others that they are not designed to give. And you're trying to draw out of someone else what they don't have. She's drawing from a well that can never answer her problems. Jesus is trying to help her win within. Jesus is trying to help her fix it on the inside so she can quit having collateral damage everywhere she goes. Drawing from people's stuff that they're not designed to give. And this is what happens. I, I, I see it happen all the time. We say things like, I'm just not happy with my marriage. That's not an expectation of a healthy marriage. He can't make you happy. She can't make you. And when you got married with that intention and you got married with that expectation, you've already, you're already behind the eight ball. You have already set yourself up for failure. And what happens is you put a weight on someone they're not designed to carry. They will snap every time. They will snap every time. And then we play the role of the victim. Well, look at that. They just hurt me again. That job, I mean, if they could just treat me right, they could just pay me what, the, what I deserve. I mean, I'm not asking much. Just another dollar an hour. That's all I'm asking. If they, if they could just, your worth is not built in a dollar system. Your worth is not built. But if you, until you recognize who gives you your identity, you'll seek your identity from everybody else. And they will never meet that need. They'll never meet that need. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. I can give you a pay raise now, but in six months you're going to feel inadequate still. 
I can marry this person for the wrong reasons just because it's the first one that actually showed me some kind of love, but, but it's not going to last. We can have kids and start a family, but, but that's not really answering my, my need to take care of something. There's so many natural things that we run to to try to fix spiritual problems. And natural, natural problems are never solved. Spiritual problems are never solved by natural means. Spiritual problems are never solved by natural means. There's a hunger, there's a thirst that God has placed within you. And when you seek after natural things to solve the thing, those things, the things of the world cannot fix the problem. We're running to the wrong well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him, that's the source. Where are you drawing from? It's dangerous to run to people for things that only God can supply. We're talking about winning within. In here, in my soul, there's so many things that we run to. So many, so many crutches that we have and so many issues that we deal with. And, and some, of us, some of us, the issue is the crutch. We've, we have lived in pain for so long that we can't live without it. The pain is my comfort zone. I've got to stay hurt, otherwise people won't see that. that they, they won't care for me. They won't love me. They, they won't ask me, hey, how are you doing today? That's the, old, that's the only source that I have for people even giving me any kind of attention is if I'm hurting and struggling. The water that I shall give him will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. It sounds Weird. It sounds kooky. It sounds like, Jesus, where are you going? We're just talking about water coming out of a well. You, where's all this super spiritual fountain and everlasting life? This isn't making what he's trying to say is I'm trying to put something in you that will keep you from relying on all the stuff around you. I got to fix you on the inside. I've got to fix you from within, because until you fix it within you, you will always run dry. Until you fix what's on the inside, you'll never get it on the outside. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. We're starting to get somewhere. Starting to open it, starting, starting to open up. She recognizes I'm thirsty. She also recognizes I've been coming to the wrong source. I've been drawing the wrong thing. And I've been drawing it with the wrong thing. Now we're starting to recognize some stuff. Now we're starting to see some things more clearly. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Whoa, why you got to bring him into this? And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. Watch this. In that you spoke truly. Truth is what sets us free. 
But most of us, when we talk about winning within, don't live in truth. And we don't live in honesty about where we're really at. And we don't want to deal with, like we talked about last week, the foundations, the stuff that nobody sees, the dirt. Oh, sure, we want to talk about the decorations in the house and the painting on the walls and and all the structural stuff that's really pretty. But like I said on Wednesday, you don't get to bring in Joanna Gaines until you've brought in Chip Gaines. Do I have any fixer-upper fans in the house? Joanna's going to fix all the stuff on the outside. She's going to make it look pretty. She can do her little computer 3D thing. It's like, oh, wow. And then Chip comes in and says, bro, it's going to cost you another $12,000. I'm sorry. He starts dealing with all the stuff that you didn't even know was there. He starts breaking up the foundation. He starts ripping out walls. He starts showing you where all the mold and mildew is. And sure, you can bring in Joanna and she can just cover it and slop some paint on it and put some pictures over this hole over here. And we'll just put a rug over there where that foundation's falling apart. But it's going to crumble. You're going to crumble. You keep working on the outside. She keeps working on the outside. She's gotten real good at covering the stuff. on. If this husband don't work, I'll just trash him and go on to the next one. Because I know how to fix the stuff on the outside but she doesn't know how to fix the stuff on the inside until you get honest until the truth comes out because denial is the thief of progression denial is the thief of progression as long as you deny as long as you shut down as long as you say we ain't going there then we ain't going there And you can dress it up, you can buy the new pictures, and you can put on new paint, and you can buy all the rugs you want. You can cover it up all you want, but a little more is going to shift, and a little more is going to crack, and a little more is going to, there's going to be a a leak over here, and there's going to be foundation problems over there. And eventually, you're going to run out of men to run to. Eventually, you're going to run out of jobs that can make you feel worth your value. You're going to run out of relationships that can validate you. You're going to run out of churches that can meet your preference. One day, you're going to going to have to say, I'm going to start working on the inside. One day you're going to have to say, I'm going to deal with the foundation. And I don't care how much we got to break up. I don't care how much we got to cut out. I don't care how much it's going to cost. I don't care how much it's going to hurt. I don't care how long the recovery is going to take. We're going to work on the inside so I can get the right stuff on the outside. But you got to be truthful. But you got to be honest about where you're really at. And if we don't want to be honest, then you can keep slapping paint and keep putting on the facades and you'll never win within. We'll never win within. Denial is the thief of progression. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a problem. I bet she does at this point. Whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. This thing just took a dark turn here. I thought we were talking about water. Now you're bringing out all my stuff. I perceive you are a prophet. It's not until her perception was open that God could work in her life. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews still got that, that preference. You Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. You see, many times our way of doing things takes priority over 
doing things God's way. See, once God has dealt with our prejudice, now he has to deal with our preference. Once he's dealt with who God can use, now, we, now he has to deal with how he can do it. I'm, talking, I'm telling you, you don't win within until you've given everything over to God. And he will deal with all of it until he makes sure I'm the only one calling the shots. As long as you want to call the shots, as long as you've got a box, as long as you've got a preference, as long as you've got an idea, as long as you've got a relationship or a certain type of job or a certain label of money, until as long as you've got all that stuff, I'm just going to stand back here with my arms folded waiting for you to shut up and sit down and let me take control. Am I Lord or am I not? Am I Lord? Is he Lord? It doesn't matter where you say we used to worship. It doesn't matter where we used to. And see, Jesus is going to deal with this right now. Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. What's he saying? My God, my Father, your Father that we're talking about right here. He doesn't have a prejudice. You can worship him here. You can worship him there. I can worship him here. I can worship. He's saying, my God is trying to get it to you. He's trying to give you the same blessing that you say the Jews have. And you don't have to be here or you don't have to be there. God is just, Jesus has just opened up the conversation and said, you can come in too. As long as you worship the Father in spirit and in truth, you can get it too. This thing that we thought was cut off, we, this thing that we thought we had to draw a line in the sand and say, well, I can't have access to that. Some of us have done that. Well, God can't bless me because of this. And God can't do this in my life because of that. And I, I had this failure. I had this problem. I, I missed it here. I blew it there. Uh, I, I, I've done too much. And, and we draw, what we do is we draw the line and you have just prejudged God on who he can use and what he can do in your life. That's what you do. Well, he can't use me. I've been to prison. You just, you just created a prejudice against God. God is spirit. That's important. God is spirit. That means he's not going to respond to you, Samaritan woman with five marriages, the way man might. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What's that mean? You have to come to him on his terms, not yours. You come to him on his terms. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't come in here with your idea of worship. And you can't come in here with your labels and your prerogatives and your preference. You can only come in here the way he says. And man doesn't dictate. Man doesn't call the shots. You don't call the shots you got to worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And this is what we do. As soon as we start to see that God can do something. Okay. Okay. So he wants to use it. Okay. So he's gotten rid of my past. Okay, I get it. I got it. So he loves me. And then we do this. One day when? Well, when I, when, I, when I get that job, 
when I find the right person, when I get married, when I start that family, we all have a one day win. Well, one day, you know, he's coming. Now, what God is trying to do in your life, he's trying to do right now. Right now. If we'll cast off the prejudice and cast off the preference. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am. Not I'm going to be. Not I once was. Not if you get it all together. When you fix this little issue over here, then I, he says, I am. Right now, I am he. I am what you want to draw. And I am what you want to draw from. And I am what you want to draw with. I am. Don't put off what God is trying to do today. Today is the day of salvation, the word says. Today is the day that you can hand your life over to him. Today is the day that I can recognize that I've blown it, missed it. I have messed this thing up royally. But God can come in and today he can make me new. Today he can mend my marriage. Today he can give me worth. Today I can know my value. Today I can know my identity. Today the king has come. Today I am he. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot, her source, her source of getting what she wanted. You've got to leave it. You've got to leave it behind. That water pot is comfort. That water pot is what makes you feel good. That water pot is what allows you to go out and get another fix. Get another, get another, and get another. And she left the water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man. I bet they're like, another man, I bet. I bet you got another man. I bet you found another man. We heard this one before. We've heard about the men. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. He got filled. He got filled, it says. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him any? Did somebody slip him a? Rice Krispie treat? I mean, what's going on here? Someone came and brought him a, some food, and Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. 
It goes on to say that many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word, the woman, the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Jesus's need was met as he was ministering to the need of another. What seemed like an interruption became his sustenance. That's what happens when you live full. You quit relying on other people to meet your needs and you start finding out that my need is actually in my my need is actually what nurtures me. I don't need to run to other people, but God is filling me from the inside. Whether you give it to me or not, I'm encouraged. Whether you ever say thank you, I'm still going to do the best job. Whether you ever appreciate me, give me a pat on the back or write me a thank you note, I'm still going to do it because I don't need, I don't live off of your encouragement. I don't live off of your recognition. I don't live and rely on your validation. I get it from somewhere else. There's a spring of water inside of me. And we need the spring on the inside. We need the everlasting life on the inside. We're running dry because we're constantly running to sources that leave us dry. We're drawing the wrong thing and we're using the wrong source and we're bringing it, taking it from the wrong stuff. What are you drawing? What are you drawing today? What is it that you're trying to draw? Where are you drawing it from? What well are you running to? What are you drawing with? What is that thing that you've been using as your bucket to go get it? What is that thing that you have created in your life that if I don't have this, I won't make it? If I don't, if they don't give me that, if I don't receive this, see, this is why we're not winning within. Of all that Jesus did and of all that he made available to us, we shouldn't be losing. There's a struggle, there's a battle, there's a test, there's a trial, there's a perseverance, there's a pushing through and a pushing on and a pushing forward. But I'm telling you today that God wants you to live victorious in every aspect of your life. But until we become honest, until we come out of denial, until we recognize that I've been trying to draw from people what they cannot give. And I'm not relying on God. I'm not relying on my Father to put in me the things that will fill me up. I don't know who this is for today. But I do know this. That His Word is true. His Word is true. His Word is true. He's given you access to the blessing, access. There's, there's someone in here, you haven't experienced peace in months. 
Every day is chaotic. Every day you wake up anxious and you go to bed even more anxious. There, there's nothing that brings rest to your mind. You've tried vacations. It doesn't work. You've tried taking days off. That doesn't help. You've tried medications. That's not meeting the need. You are relying on other things to bring to you what only God can bring to you because it's the peace of God that passes all understanding. You've been trying to figure it out. You've been trying to comprehend it. You've been running to all these things and you're running empty. And God is saying, I'm the source of your peace. I'm the source of your joy. Some of you haven't laughed in months. You don't know what it is to smile. You're carrying weights and burdens and pressures. You know what else happens? Is when we don't recognize the right source, we blame the wrong source. on so many different things. Well, I'm working too much. No, I, I, I just, I, I, I'm not giving myself, I need more, I need more me time. I need more, I got to give myself more time. I, I, I'm doing too much for other people. No, 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 no. No. We blame the wrong source because we don't recognize the source. We have those that play the one day win. One day when I get that promotion. One day when I have the right house. One day when I have the right relationship. Well, when when I get married, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. One day win. And God is saying, I am. I am right now. I am in your presence. I am today. I don't care what the brokenness is. I can heal it. I don't care what discouragement is. I can provide it. I don't care where you're broken and where you're hurting and and where it seems like it's falling apart. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am. You don't have to get it all together. You don't have to go see the doctor. You don't have to find the right thing. You don't have to do the right thing. I am. 